Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. And if you want to find out a little bit more about our station, you can go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now. And so if you go to that website and click on a button, you can listen to us anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So, folks, again, I'm K.A. Owens. This is On the Edge with K.A. Owens. And uh, uh, I'm here with Cynthia Gnote, uh professor from the sociology department at the University of Louisville. And uh, we're here to discuss a variety of issues. So uh, welcome, Professor Gnote. Well, thank you so much, Kay. I'm so glad to be here. So, uh, of course, uh, uh, in your field, uh, you know, you look at a variety of issues. Uh, 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 so what are some of the things that you look at in your field? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. I am a race, class, gender, and sexualities specialist within sociology. And so one of the things that I do is look at the systems of oppression around those social constructs. So systemic racism slash white supremacy, uh, patriarchy, uh, class exploitation, and heterosexism. And I then look at, you know, how those institutionalized structures affect individuals, affect communities, affect uh, each of us in different intersectional ways. And I also look at the kind of ideologies that are used to support those systems to make them seem like they are inevitable, quote unquote, natural, uh, and just the way it is. So if someone were to say to uh, apply uh, that framework to I don't know what some people call uh, politics uh, how would that how would that work is that if you were to uh, apply it to an analysis of uh, political parties uh, uh, speaking styles of candidates campaign themes uh, that sort of thing how would that work? Or you can pick a pick a pick a locale. You can pick Louisville. Hypoth- uh, you can pick Kentucky. You can pick the United States. Uh, how does all that fit in uh, uh, sort of our world? I mean, uh, uh, when I say political, I mean that you know it, it's about who gets what, when, and where. Uh, uh, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Well. So neat how you can use these tools, and I do see these sociological uh, lenses as tools. When you take something like looking at intersecting systems of oppression that are structures that live in our institutions, and you apply it to politics, you could look at anything from how are candidates of color viewed by the electorate. You could look at um, women, in particular women candidates, and uh, look at how 
the kinds of frames that are applied to them, the kinds of questions that are applied to them are, um, in particular, if you look at somebody like um, any female candidate, Hillary Clinton to uh, Kamala Harris to Elizabeth Warren, looking at, you know, are slash were the same questions asked of their male, uh, very often white male um, counterparts, um, and look for the sexism, the patriarchy, um, and in case of women of color, but the intersecting patriarchy and systemic racism that comes through those frames. One of the things I'm interested in at the moment, because I'm situated in Louisville, Kentucky, like you, um, is how um, newly um, announced candidate for the U.S. Senate, Charles Booker, um, is being seen by different members of the electorate, you know, both in Kentucky and elsewhere. So, for example, to me, when I hear anybody say, oh, the state of Kentucky will never elect a black man, you know, they, the person who's saying that may very well be someone who would vote for a black man, but who is assuming the racism of others and thereby, in my perspective, reifying the assumed racism slash white supremacy of others. And so one of the things that I hear people saying a lot in assessing uh, different races is not a dang thing about how capable is this candidate? What are their policies? What is their organizing strategy? Whose support do they have? Those kinds of questions, um, you know, whose votes are in that basket or can be brought into that basket, but instead assuming racism in a way that I really think, you know, doesn't that just in fact perpetuate and assume the continuation of racism? So I'm really interested in questions like that, and I often think, you know, what is the vision for transformation if we just go from what it is when we're looking at something, if we just look at where are we now, the current snapshot, it's not really a transformational view of politics or what different candidates from different backgrounds with different platforms, with different ideas, with different visions, with different organizing strategies, what can they bring to, in this case, a, the state of Kentucky, which is in need of, I mean, extreme change and is in, a, in need, uh, as a Kentuckian myself, I'll say from my standpoint, you know, the state of Kentucky is in need of some deep, deep uh, change and attention to the needs of voters across all different kinds of backgrounds. So uh, the interesting thing about the viability of an African-American statewide candidate, that is we do actually have an elected black attorney general in the state of Kentucky, and his name is Daniel Cameron. Of course, he happens to be a Republican, and, and uh, of course, he was sort of uh, handpicked by the Republican Senator Mitch McConnell, who said, you know, this is my guy, vote for him, and the white people of Kentucky voted for him. So, uh, so uh, it's not that a uh, so Daniel Cameron has already proven that uh, 
white people will vote for a black statewide candidate. Uh, that's been proven. So uh, the question is under what circumstances. Uh, uh-huh. And I love you pointing that out, Kay, if I may say. So then we have to say, okay, so if that's been proven and we know it, what is it about? Um, is it a, a black candidate with a certain kind of platform? Is it a black candidate? We know in the case of Daniel Cameron, it's a black candidate, number one, handpicked by Mitch McConnell. He's Mitch's man. And we know someone who holds very conservative uh, political values, put out a very um, you know conservative political platform. So... Is it is the suggestion when people say state of Kentucky won't elect a black man? Is that you know what what are they saying? What are they really saying there? Will the state of Kentucky elect a black man who continues the extremely conservative rhetoric that that we very well know benefits those in the top uh, you know the top one percent benefits. Um, the elites benefits those who already hold power. That that man has already been elected. That's Daniel Cameron. So, are they saying a man, a black man, cannot be elected who has a transformational platform, who actually cares about and puts out a platform that would benefit all Kentuckians across races, ethnicities, social classes, sexualities, abilities? I mean. That's what we know about Charles Booker's stated platform. He has a piece that he does um, that is a, uh, you know, you are family and we are a family Kentucky. I don't care if you, and then he fills in the blank, I don't care if you look like me or you don't, if you come from the hood or the holler, if you uh, walk or you're in a wheelchair, what your pronouns are, you know, who you who you love, I are with me, I am with you, I will fight for you. So he does this really inclusive thing, and what we know is his proposed policies uh, would threaten the current status quo because they are not just meant to benefit those who are already wealthy and privileged. So the real question is, uh, you know, will Kentuckians vote for uh, a person of color or anyone who doesn't support uh, white supremacy? Uh, That's right. And so that is that is the real question. And so you kind of look at the state of Kentucky. When I first got involved, it actually was 90 percent white. Uh, according to the statistics now, it's uh, sort of 80 something percent white and still four percent black. You may have different figures. And then um, the demographics of the state, you know, not a lot of college graduates compared to some other states. Uh, uh, you know, the median income low compared to some other states. Uh, you know, what are the values of Kentucky perceived in actual? Uh, because not too many years ago, of course, you had uh, the Democratic Party controlled the House and the Senate on, on, on the state level. And... Uh, not too many years ago. So uh, 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 what are uh, the actual values of the state? What do the people of the state of Kentucky actually believe in? And what are the real problems of Kentucky that need to be solved? We know that, for instance, we know that 
Uh, it's strange I have to explain this reference now because there are a lot of young people who don't get it. Uh, but uh, uh, Mayberry has a lot of problems. And, it's, and for folks who don't know the reference, Mayberry is a hypothetical small town that existed on a TV show called The Andy Griffith Show. And so, uh, and so Mayberry in Kentucky, a hypothetical small town, and all across the country have a lot of problems. High unemployment, uh, uh, you know, uh, opiate uh, addiction, uh, methamphetamine addiction, uh, a lot of problems. Uh, that is uh, most famously across the river in, uh, I believe, in Austin, Indiana, they had just a huge HIV um, hep C outbreak. Uh, you know, and the population, of course, of that town is, uh, uh, you know, uh, majority white. By uh, So uh, these white communities in the small towns and rural areas, these, you know, hypothetical, uh, idyllic, uh, at least once upon a time, small town America, a lot of problems. Hospitals shutting down, uh, uh, you know, uh, towns and counties with no doctors, so real problems that need to be solved. Now, a lot of people think that the white people in states like Kentucky have been told that, for instance, the reason that they're poor is because that, you know, blacks in Louisville are making them poor because uh, the blacks in Louisville are driving, uh, you know, red Cadillacs with the welfare money. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh, the uh, late uh uh, Rush Limbaugh told them that the, the blacks are making you poor. The blacks, the gays, the the liberals, the the Muslims, the Mexicans, uh, they're making you poor. Uh, so uh, uh, and uh, and so the question is, can uh, somebody like uh, somebody like Booker, who has a different message, and he's actually reaching out to people in the small towns and rural areas instead of sort of doubling down. Uh, on the the quote unquote urban vote or the quote unquote base vote, uh, uh, so and so that's interesting to have uh, you know an African American urban candidate to reach out to uh, small town and rural folk. I mean Jesse did it, Jesse, Jesse Jackson, all those years ago, uh, and so so that's the phenomena that uh, just how embedded is. Uh, uh, you know, a concept of, of white supremacy that caused people to march on, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., uh, January 6th. How embedded is, is that in people? And can you, you know, sort of shift people away from that, that, uh, you know, black folk, uh, gay folk, Mexicans are not making you poor, not causing your problems? Uh, uh, and so that's what somebody like Booker is trying to do. And so we kind of look at how things work in a, in a state. Uh, the eyes are on uh, Kentucky really because of the, uh, the Breonna Taylor case. So, the, I mean, folks have been saying, uh, uh, you know, uh, Breonna Taylor is the second most famous person from Kentucky after uh, Muhammad Ali. So eyes were on Louisville, and, uh, and when things go on in here in, in Kentucky, uh, people are paying attention uh, that is, when uh, uh, Amy McGrath ran against uh, Mitch McConnell, people across the country paid attention to that. And people will, will pay attention to all across the country. So Louisville and the state of Kentucky is sort of providing interesting situations for folks to study. That is so right, K.A. It's so interesting to me. So I moved back to my hometown of Louisville, of, 
a few years ago, I'd been living in Oakland, California for the last 10 years, uh, took a job out there, and moved back in the last three years. And in that time, Louisville has become exactly in the way that you name, of course, you know, uh, because of the murder of Breonna Taylor, eyes have turned to Louisville, Kentucky, and to the state of Kentucky as um, Charles Booker took on uh, Amy McGrath for the uh, Democratic uh, Senate uh, nomination to, to challenge McConnell. And, you know, one of the things that while this race, of course, for Kentuckians, we were glued to it, McGrath versus Booker, um, in an attempt to unseat McConnell, you know, one of the things that um, a whole that, uh, frankly, the, the Democratic National, um, the De- Democratic uh, Senatorial Committee fell into was assuming things about Kentucky and picking Amy McGrath, handpicking Amy McGrath as the candidate who would challenge Mitch McConnell. But unfortunately, she was not the people's choice. Um, Charles Booker coming, you know, to prominence months after Amy McGrath had been chosen nationally by folks not from Kentucky, you know, choosing who the primary challenger would be uh, from the Democratic side really got that wrong. And it's to me, it is it's an elitism, actually, that assumes that you can be in Washington, D.C. and assume who would be the right person to represent uh, Democrats of Kentucky. And they, they made, as we all watched, and we, we knew in the middle of it, a horrible, horrible mistake in choosing Amy McGrath for the people of Kentucky. Didn't work. It never did. Uh, she is, I'm sure, a fine person who was absolutely the wrong uh, person, was not connected with folks, was absolutely not out in the streets in uh, the BLM movement uh, as Charles Booker was. And Charles Booker was the people's choice. So one of the things that threw us into a hole was not being able to pick our own candidate and folks making assumptions about Kentuckians. Something that's happening now, I think, is, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, people have been told lies, 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 lies. The um, the telling poor folks, you know, all the problems that you described are problems of poverty, of opiate addiction, of all the other kinds of addictions, of the uh, HIV crisis that you discussed spreading in in uh, southern Indiana, all the kinds of things that you discussed, discussed in poor white towns. These are problems of poverty. And the divide and conquer rhetoric has worked so well from, you know, spread by right-wing media like the late Rush Limbaugh, Fox News, OAN, any of these other um, news outlets and politicians who have successfully convinced poor and working class folks that instead of banding together across 
races, ethnicities, uh, you know, religions, uh, and everything else, counties, you know, whether you're in Louisville or you're out in eastern or western or southern Kentucky, um, the lie is that, you know, immigrants are stealing your jobs, uh, black folks in Louisville are stealing your jobs, Bill in the blank is stealing your jobs, no, we know well how capitalism works and how the you know, those at the top are exploiting folks' labor and are at the same time telling them lies. Without the divide and conquer, working class and poor folks realize, oh my gosh, we're in this together. We have similar concerns. We have been overlooked, marginalized, stigmatized, painted as idiots, painted as everything else on the planet, except the people that we are, folks who want to live with respect and dignity, folks who want to put food on our family's tables, folks who want to uh, live a life and thrive within that, within our communities. This is why I say watch out for, um, to folks who are skeptical, watch out for Charles Booker's approach because it is different. His is, in his quote-unquote hood to the holler approach, he takes this, um, you know, hood, you know, those, you know, he openly says, I'm from the West End of Louisville, Kentucky. I grew up in poverty. Sometimes, you know, my mom went without enough to eat um, so that I could eat. You know, he talks about the problems of poverty in the West End, and he connects those with the problems of poverty out in the state of Kentucky with white folks, Latinx folks, Asian-American folks, everybody, Native folks. Uh, And so his idea is, you are family. We have all been overlooked. We have not been represented. And it's interesting how he uses an approach of, I love you all. You are my family. And he's so authentic. And he's been out organizing, just as you said, instead of overlooking, glossing over the rest of the state and going, let's just get Louisville and Lexington to overperform, which we, which that need, would need to happen, assuredly, for Booker uh, to win. But in addition, let's connect with folks. Let's actually invest in voters. Let's actually um, listen to people's stories. Let's let people know they do matter, their voices matter, they will be heard. And so that the essential question, K.A., is exactly as you put it. Can folks get past the white supremacy, which I know your voters know this. I mean, I'm sorry, your voters, your listeners know this. But I will just say, as I always explain in my classes, white supremacy, most folks hear that term if they haven't been exposed to it before and they just think, Members of the KKK are a neo-Nazi group. Really, just white supremacy from theorists like Bell Hooks and others is just about when a society holds all those things socially constructed as white, as the highest, the best, the most superior, the most valuable, and then goes from there and measures everything else up against that. So the bottom line is, you know, when somebody like a Daniel Cameron does not challenge those values in any way, Um, Just exactly as you pointed out, you know, he was a voted in, uh, you know, a black man was holding those values, was voted in statewide. Can a black man who does not 
uphold those values, who in fact says, no, we're all valuable. No, we all deserve liberation. We all deserve quality health care, food on the table, a safe place to live, a quality education, quality bridges and roads, beautiful parks we can all enjoy without two pennies to rub together. You don't have to pay for those things. Can a man like Booker, who espouses those values, countercultural to those systems of domination that have really been sold to folks in Kentucky? Can he prevail? Can he crack through that? That really, to me, is the question. And so a lot of problems that Kentucky has are, you know, uh, I'm not racial per se that is you know uh should the small towns and rural areas have broadband uh you know for instance uh uh should they uh the, should lg and e be allowed to to build the 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 new underground uh, tunnel in the in, in the close to burnham forest uh uh uh, uh you know do, you know should, should such and such land be seized and given to lg and e or not and why and to benefit yes. whom? Uh, so, uh, and so those kinds of things, uh, uh, does the Affordable Hair, uh, Care Act help keep rural and small town op- uh, hospitals open? Either it does or it doesn't. If it does, then maybe it's a good thing. Then, uh, and if they call it Obamacare and it keeps your hospital open in small town, uh, maybe it's a good thing. Uh, so, uh, so can people be separated? I mean... Uh, Who's the filmmaker from uh, Michigan uh, uh, documentary film uh, champion, uh, Michael Moore? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he says that he talks about his, his people in Michigan, right? Because that's where he's from, you know. And uh, he says, well, if they were, if those guys, he's talking about the white guys out in the woods with the camouflage uniforms and, and the rifles. Uh, he said, if they, uh, had fifty thousand dollar a year jobs they wouldn't be out there i heard him say that those are his almost his words exactly and so uh so can we show people that we can all prosper together or do a lot better than what we are doing uh and do we even have a vision of what that is i mean uh here's something that even people professional people uh uh can't even necessarily relate to. I'm going to tell you something, uh, and I'll see whether you can relate to it. Uh, my next door neighbor who passed on, he was a World War II guy, black, black Afri- African American, went into Army in World, World War II, served in combat, got out, went to you know college on the GI Bill, got back in, got a battlefield commission in Korea, uh, and then retired after 20 years as a major. Went out to the Ford plant, worked there for 20 years, uh, got a pension. So when he retired, he had three checks coming in, his, his, his Army check, his Ford check, and his Social Security. And plus Ford stock, he told me he lived like a general, African-American. And so I tell young people that story because they've taken away defined benefit pensions now uh, and stuck everybody with 401ks, they can't even relate to that story. Because uh, the business community has told both the Republican and Democratic Party, we don't need defined benefit pensions anymore. All you're going to get is a 401k. So young people can't even understand the story that I just told. Uh, so uh, 
Uh, and so if, if we can come together with a vision uh, uh, of just what, uh, you know, a prosperous society is, I'm not sure we even have a vision uh, uh, because people have been told, well, what, what you're going to do is work three bad jobs till you die. Uh, and so, uh, and so we need, you know, uh, folks, uh, I'm not sure there's a unified vision of, of what it is that we need to do. So uh, we're coming. Uh, is there anything uh, that uh, I do want to thank you for being here with us today, folks? We've had uh, Dr. Cynthia Gannot, and she's been wonderful. And uh, any last few words uh, as we come to the very end of our show? Yes, Kelly, you know, just the last uh, piece that you were talking about here, it, it points me towards the is and the ought. The is is about where are we now? Exactly where are we? You know, I hear you talking about, you know, social safety nets and infrastructure um, that have eroded over time, that have, you know, been through very intentional. Um, You've been listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and we will be back next week. <laughs>